Welcome back to Get Unstuck and On Target. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders. Whether we're working with supervisors to improve their people skills or it's me coaching a leader one-on-one, getting leaders and companies unstuck is at the heart of everything we do. And that's exactly what this is all about. I was looking back at some of our past guests and I came to a realization, my goodness, I've never brought on the podcast someone who has expertise in retail. We're going to change that today. Um, I'd like to introduce the guest. This is Doug Spiron. Doug is the president of ThinkTime. ThinkTime is a cloud-based task management and associate communications platform. It's built to help retailers achieve a high-performance culture and improve customer engagement. Welcome, Doug. Oh, so nice to be here. I've listened to so many of the podcasts and it's Awesome to be a part of it. You know, I was starting to kind of introduce you and I got a little tongue tied, which is not like me, um, but retail. I mean, let's just jump right in. Um, that's what you know and what you know best. But gosh, it has changed dramatically. You're so right. In what ways, from your vantage point, have you seen the most significant changes to retail? Well, I started retail in high school uh, with Sears back when Sears Roebuck and Company was an American icon and, and worked uh, through my high school years and into my college years and spent 20 years there. And I just remember everything being so simple then. Um, the online part of retail really didn't exist, obviously, at that time. And, um, you know, it was great displays, great products, and ultimately you'd be super successful. And Sears obviously did that extremely well. Um, but after that, I moved to Home Depot and that's when things really started to change. Uh, I spent 10 years there at Home Depot and the online part of uh, everything really came on strong at that time, created competition for bricks and mortar retail and uh, really changed the expectations of the retail experience. And so that's been a real big part of the change that's happened in retail. Yeah, I know this is a platform. We're going to talk about that a little bit more detail, but your customers, are they brick and mortar? Are they e-commerce, a blend? Yeah, so our com- we have both. Um, the primary customer, though, is has a distributed workforce in brick and mortar stores around the world. Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this. I was just thinking about this this morning, uh, about this upcoming podcast, and I was just realizing um I personally have worked in organizations that have, quote, a distributed workforce. When I'm thinking retail, it is distributed to scale. And in terms of consistency, in terms of the things Mm -hmm. that need to take place, it just strikes me as there's so many moving parts. Um, You've been part of of forming this business. It's been around since when? Uh, It's when we started. And in terms of what y'all did, my understanding is that other retail experts, you came together and says, there's got to be a better way. Can you describe a little bit about the quote, the product slash service that the yeah, the, time is? Absolutely. The origin of the product was really having lived day-to-day retail operations, both from a headquarters perspective and from a store's perspective. And you, you said it really well. So think about this idea of, I start small as an entrepreneur and I have the store that I created in front of me and I can control everything. Mm-hmm. But as you said, as growth happens, Now I have to have leaders in all of these locations and I'm trying to impart my operational tendencies and and desires and strategy to those leaders. And I get bigger and I get bigger and that makes it more and more difficult. So being a part of two gigantic organizations myself, um, Sears and Home Depot, the day-to-day consistency between the locations was lacking. I can remember as a district manager 
uh, being responsible for a group of 15 locations or a region manager being in charge of um, a whole entire region in the Northeast United States. You'd travel to one location and you'd get one thing. You'd try to travel to another location and get something quite different, both on the high end and then, of course, unfortunately, on the low end. So we developed this product um, to really help headquarters organizations, but mostly field leaders, people that are interacting with the stores every day to help them gain that consistency through communication, through tools that were going to help them digitize processes that in the past would have been paper-based or something very inefficient. So we've created a digital tool to help them reinforce their standards, reinforce their strategies, make sure everybody's on the same page. And that was really the origin story of this is having lived the day-to-day retail as a region manager or district manager, you see those flaws and how hard it is to get everybody on the same page. So when we had the opportunity to build this company from scratch, we built a digital tool that would make that process much more simple. You said something kind of caught my attention, Doug, and that is uh, when you're with large organizations, you're looking for solutions. And this is where the big players come in and they offer Mm -hmm. you this huge package with all these kinds of things. But it seems to me it's really geared towards corporate, the people who are signing the check for who does that. And you said something about the field leadership. It sounds as if y'all purposely built think time with them very much in mind. Yeah, I think you're right. Most software tools are headquarters centric. Um, We didn't do that. We built this product from the store level, day-to-day associate, the frontline folks that are interacting with the customers every day. They make the biggest impact. I mean, honestly, in the retail world and I think, you know, this expands beyond just retail to hospitality and, and um, to any customer facing business. Um, those are the people that make the biggest difference. And so we built the tool with them in mind. How do we make it easier for them to know what's going on? How do you personalize the information that they receive? One of the things that I remember is getting these big manuals or decks or PDFs that you had to sort through to find out what's relevant to me um, as, as a person, as a cashier or a store manager or a district manager. I don't want to spend all that time trying to filter through all this material to find out what's relevant. And I want to find what's important really, really fast. And so we built the tool in a way to help those folks find exactly what they need, but the material has been personalized to them based on the fact that we know who their location, where their location is. We know what their role is and therefore everything's been served up to them in a personalized way. And you can do that in a digital environment much easier than you can do that in a paper-based or an email or an Excel spreadsheet, et cetera. You know, the ability for you to kind of customize that such that the person who's in a particular role really only has a need and desire to see that which pertains to them. And therefore, all that noise is eliminated. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can remember folks going to a, a, a bookshelf behind them to find the right manual and then sorting through to the right chapter, et cetera. So, the idea here is I've, I've got a digital search, like a personalized global search, and I type in what I want, and I instantly find what's relevant and pertains only to me, my role in my location. Or I have a dashboard that's been specifically crafted for me, and on it, I find the status of my projects and what's new and, and information that's current, news items or knowledge-based tools that I can utilize to do my job better. And so Somebody in that situation finds themselves feeling more engaged, more knowledgeable, and therefore easy to give a better customer experience because I have all the tools right at my fingertips. I don't have to go find them. I don't have to go search for them. So it was a big objective, Mike, since the very beginning was this idea of creating simplicity, but from the store level, 
looking up to headquarters rather than the other way around. You know, in my introduction, I, I hope I described this correctly, whereas your solution kind of breaks down into task management and associate communication. Let's start down this task management piece. You mentioned dashboard. The dashboards that you make available to your clients that can be drilled down, um, is it, are they visual? Um, how does a dashboard with your tool work? Yeah. So two primary tools, like some people are at a desktop or a laptop, right? Other people are using this on their phone. So we have both web-based environments that are great for a laptop or desktop, but also a native mobile application that's been specifically designed for hardened devices, phones, tablets, et cetera. And so for me, if I start my day with a cup of coffee, I want to know what's going on, what's new. And so when I log in, I know who you are, I know what your location is and the information that I'm seeing, tasks that are on my plate, new news articles, new information that's been provided about my holiday setup, um, for an example, or a new display that I'm supposed to um, execute in my location. It's specifically um, there. There's notifications both in the app and external. So there's no doubt this person can start their day with significant knowledge on what's on their plate, how to get it done, and then real-time recognition. When they actually get it done, they know that everyone above them, their district manager, their region manager, the headquarters folks, see that real-time status that their project's been completed. So there's some significant satisfaction that comes from that as well. We all like to check things off the list, right? Um, I have a list right off camera here. And yes, I find it very gratifying. Uh, not only do I check it off, I take a yellow highlighter because I want to see a lot of yellow on my list at day's end. Yeah, I'm the same way. Doug, you described how this tool that y'all have developed helps leaders and helps those that they lead have clarity on what's got to get done and how to manage the business. And you made reference to this as a, maybe a communication tool. You've kind of right. married the two. Right. And at least in my experience, Doug, when I began working with the organizations, when you go and survey employees, the most common response that they will give is we need to improve communication. It seems like regardless of the industry, regardless of the size, there's complaint about communication. How has this tool, how does this tool help improve communication and culture building. Yeah, I think I think it's a big factor in employee engagement. And as you know, turnover is a big deal in the entire workforce, not just retail. Um, it's, it's a broad-based problem. Keeping and retaining great people is a, is a gigantic problem. And so one of the things you dig into and you say, <clears throat> you know, this idea of satisfaction and engagement comes through knowledge. It comes through being appreciated. It comes through knowing that you have the tools that you need uh, to do the job. So we consider ourselves more than just a task management platform and a communication platform. We're a digital workplace. And so the idea here is um, everything I need is at my fingertips. I can find it easily. I can flawlessly execute based on that. So I'm, I'm doing better in my job performance. I'm getting recognized for my effort. So the communication part of it is just one facet. It's this idea that I have a digital workplace where everything's in one place. I don't have to go over here for this tool. I don't have to pull a manual off the shelf for this activity. Everything's being centralized in a way where it makes the effort so much easier um, for the end user. And so in that, there's satisfaction. In that, there's productivity. In that, there's engagement. And all of those things play into preventing turnover in the long run. Keeping your best people, regretted turnover, keeping those best people is huge. I've not heard that term, regretted turnover. That's great. Yeah, expression. regretted like your the regretted turnover would be losing your very best people, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that you just can't afford to lose. And, you know, there's turnover where you're talking to somebody about a performance issue and ultimately you decide to part ways, right? 
Um, when those best people that you count on aren't engaged and don't feel appreciated and they leave, there's an, a huge regret on the business's part. And there's a huge cost to that because they're your most productive, best customer service people, right? Well, clearly I, I subscribe to the same thing. I, what I do find is all too often organizations spend way too much of their energy on those low performing employees. And they tend to overlook those who are really there delivering yeah. day in and day out. You know, when you mentioned that the checklist, as you're going through the ways that this software was particularly designed to do, the things that immediately crossed my mind is uh, all employees, regardless of level, need to feel valued. They need to know what's expected and they need to be given the tools to do that, what you're asking them to do. And as you right. described it, it was for me, check, check, check. Right, right. I think the, you, you mentioned the lower level performers, and I think that's an interesting point. Real-time visibility to the status of the work that's being completed. You're assigning it out to everybody. Your top performers, your lowest performers, you're giving them to-dos. And so ultimately that visibility helps those conversations be much more clear. I think I remember back to my days as a store manager or district manager, when you have a performance conversation with somebody and there's no facts behind it, it's very, very difficult to do that, right? Because now you're talking anecdotally and that mm -hmm. never sits well and that conversation goes very poorly. In a tool like ours, it's a push of a button to get reports that are, you know, holistic in their nature. I see the whole year. I see your performance. I see how many tasks you completed on time. I see how many store visits you completed. I see the status of those visits or the scores of those visits. I see your visibility to news articles and things like that. And ultimately it paints a picture for a manager to have a much more quality conversation with a lower performer, um, as well as recognizing those that are at the top. So I just wanted to pick up on that thought because I think it works at both ends of the spectrum. It clearly does. You know, Doug, right before we hit the record button, you shared with me that yes, you are the president, but you're, were part of the founding team that, mm -hmm. that kind of built think time. Can you just share a little bit about that journey that, that y'all were on? You went from being a, a, a corporate leader to now being a business owner, building from scratch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of products out in the market that did things similar to what we did, but we just felt like we could do it better. Having come from a retail background, having lived that every day, it was more than just creating a software platform. It was creating a tool that was going to be really, really useful in the hands of the people. And so when you understand those scenarios and you can speak the language and you develop software that actually helps them with that process, it mattered. So we started small. Um, we've been self-funded since the very beginning. And uh, really it was pick and shovel work and some, some bubble gum and duct, duct tape along the way, right? But we grew the team pretty significantly. We started getting global customers back in the 2015, 16 timeframe and really exponentially grew across retail. So we started with some department store retailers, and then we've added grocery and convenience stores, and we continue to kind of proliferate um, getting across all the retail verticals and um, have quite a presence around the world from Australia to South Africa to, to Europe and the United States. And so that allow us um, to grow the team, to grow the product, to make it more competitive in the marketplace with the, the modules that was needed. Uh, recently, we actually were acquired by a capital funding uh, company and also became part of the Storeforce team. And so Storeforce is a WFM platform that specializes in specialty retailer, kind of the smaller, very boutique, um, very customer facing um, uh, retailers. We've become part of that team and there's some nice synergies between what they do and what we do and we'll continue to bring those forward. So it's been quite a journey, Mike. It's been, um, you know, from being years and years of self-funded, years and years of kind of bubble gum and and uh, duct tape, as it were, to build the team and to build the revenue over time, 
but recently um, have gone through that acquisition phase. In what ways has that acquisition changed kind of your outlook um, going forward? What opportunities did that present to you, to the key leadership that you might not have had before? Yeah. So as you know, um, expectations come with uh, being acquired, right? You're going to, mm-hmm. the whole idea of being acquired is to grow revenue and, and, and to uh, expand your market share and to really um, can, can compete on a much more significant level. And so that's the, that's where we're at. I mean, so in the past where we would have a small sales team, um, you know, a really small marketing team, it, it, you know, we're beginning to grow those assets. The idea here is, you know, obviously become much more known and you spend a lot more time on that side of the business trying to expand the net and make sure people know about you, et cetera. So, um, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that I'm the most excited about is we've spent a lot of time kind of being the unknown player or the smaller player and the opportunity now to, to really compete on a higher level um, and to be more known in the industry and have those opportunities is a huge part of that acquisition. Um, and part of that comes with the um, integration opportunities also with, with um, the Storeforce team. And so they have a WFM product. Um, tasking has time associated with it. Being able to integrate the time of the task into the forecast and scheduling processes of, is a really big deal. And we're looking forward to that as well. You know, you mentioned that you've, you've joined a company. One aspect was more boutique. Y'all are handling multiple verticals. In your experience, of all the verticals that y'all have taken on, which are those proved most challenging? So you think about clients that are super, super large and are multi-country, mm-hmm. um, they're multinational. And so we've got a couple of grocers that literally are on every continent uh, that we deal with. I mean, these are gigantic 10,000 um, location behemoths, right? Yes, um, they, they have high expectations, um, but also, you know, when you start to deal with a bigger organization like that, there's um, this, you know, this, it's a gigantic entity, right? And so you're dealing with multiple people um, and you're coordinating those activities across the globe. So it's, it's challenging, but it's fun um, because every single one of their locations have different expectations. So Australia thinks a little differently than what the European team does or the North American team does. And you've got to solve for all of that. And I think it's a tremendous challenge, but something that we've taken on and it's been awesome. As you kind of reflect on your experiences thus far, it could be mm-hmm. at think time or elsewhere. Can you share an example where you or the organization got stuck and when that happened, what did y'all do to get unstuck? Yeah. I mean, I think in those early days, um, the growth part of this was, was the most difficult, right? Um, getting resources to handle 24, seven, 365 service around the globe. We're based in Chicago. Um, and the idea here that you all of a sudden you're serving somebody in Australia or you're serving somebody in South Africa. That was a tremendous challenge. And so putting those pieces together, I mentioned we were self-funded, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So putting those pieces together and making sure that we had the right service model. You know, it's one thing to say your product's fantastic. It's going to help a retailer deliver an exceptional differentiated level of service. But you have that same expectation of yourself Mm -hmm. and and your company, right? And so putting together the pieces of the puddle to develop the product the right way in a modern architecture at the right time to make sure the product was solid and stable and secure, all those things. Doing the 24-7, 365 service around the globe, putting that team together was a really challenging moment. And, um, you know, there's times where we felt a little stuck, right? There's times where we felt like maybe um, this decision might not have been the right one. And then we figured out a way to do it better, became unstuck through the process, right? But but it was a real challenge doing that on your own dime and doing that in a, a growth model that you were funding yourself. 
throughout the whole entire process. As I look back at, at clients that I've been working with, one of the recurring things more often is growth. On one hand, growth is good. We all want to see growth, but with growth comes oftentimes growing pains. And some of the things we're describing here kind of fits that description. Um, as listeners know, this is an unscripted conversation, but we've talked a lot about building a solution for customers that got more and more diverse in making continual improvements. Over that time period, you're president of the company. In what ways did you find that you needed to improve Doug uh, as a leader? That's, that's very true. I mean, so go back to that same growth aspect, right? I've been part of giant companies at, at Sears and Home Depot, but you have a support network there. Like you have an established business model that has the finance person, the marketing person, the sales person. Like you have all that, right? And so you're just part of a gigantic cog. And so, um, you know, if I think about it from a personal development standpoint, it's all on your shoulders, you know, and, and you know, you have a team, a, a really great group of, of core leadership folks, um, but you got to tackle all those aspects yourself as you're growing the team. And so you find yourself expanding the things that you touch, the things that you get involved in, having opinions around um, things that maybe in the past you didn't have responsibility for. An entrepreneurial experience is very different than a corporate experience from that perspective. And so you get grown, you grow and you, you stretch um, in those moments. And certainly through the, the 2013 to 18 range, we had to significantly take on uh, more of a leadership role across multiple facets of the business. When you transition from being a corporate executive to being an entrepreneur and the lessons learned, when people come to you, which they inevitably do and say, you know, I'm in a corporate role, but gosh, kind of have an itch. I like to own yeah. what I'm doing. What advice do you give folks when they come to you with those questions? There's fear that, that, that goes with, you know, the stability that comes through a gigantic organization and being a part of it. And, and I just, you know, you, you've got to do something you love, you know, that, and you've got to do something that you care about and that you feel like you're making an impact in the space. I'm on a LinkedIn profile. I say, you know, I'm leaving retail, you know, one better than I found it. Like it, it like you become that mantra, like you have a purpose in that. And I, I tell people when they ask me, you know, should I really step out on this plank and, and take this risk? You know, it's, it's super rewarding. If you set yourself up right and you're willing to work hard and you're willing to put everything you've got into it, the chances are you're going to be successful and you're going to enjoy it more and you're going to feel more empowered through the process. And I know that I've felt that since uh, my early days here is that it's on, it's on us, right? We take it on and, and it's exciting fear, but I'm so glad I did it. And that's what I tell other people. You know, you mentioned that you are supporting customers across the 24 mm seven. -hmm. Um, it doesn't shut down. It, it never stops. How do you personally find a way to kind of unplug? Yeah. My, my team is exceptional. Um, so I have the sales side of the business. I have the marketing side of the business and then I have the customer care side of the business as well. So it's nice because I'm involved from the initial acquisition of the client through the sales process. And then ultimately my team also handles the after the implementation and the customer care cycle after that. And so Mike, it's always people, uh, you can't unplug if you don't, your team's not exceptional. My customer care team, uh, we, we actually hired our vice president of customer care was a previous client, was a previous client. Hmm. They had gone out of business during COVID um, due to cash flow problems. And a lot of businesses did, right? Um, so it was an opportunity for me to go find someone who had used the product, who was a retailer, and ultimately is now running my customer care team because he's exceptional. He understands what the clients are going through. 
he understands our product because he actually implemented it. Um, and his team then lives and breathes that kind of feeling every single day. So I can unplug with a tremendous amount of confidence because of the team that I've hired and trained and, and they're exceptional on their own. Um, just great people. You know, as I've been listening to you, and we've been talking about retail, but we've also been talking about retail with an eye towards how might this conversation be relevant to to others? And I can see lots and lots of parallels. I think my appreciation for the complexity of retail has grown. Um, and I hope this hasn't come across wrong, but I think there's it's generally assumed that retail cannot attract the best um, and what, what you're trying to say is, yes, you can, you can attract, you can retain with the right tools. You can kind of accomplish, uh, that and defy what is really a, an onslaught of challenge for retailers. E-commerce is of it. You've got to be that much better if you're going to stay competitive. And it's so easy to click that button and just buy something and have it shipped to your house. And so the brick and mortar experience has to be exceptional. When I go there, there has to be a differentiated feeling. I'm here because somebody's engaging with me. They're making me feel important. There's that human interaction part. They can explain how a product works. They can show you physically how it works. A video can do that, but it's not the same. Um, and so there's so many aspects of retail that's touch and feel. The apparel business is still very touch and feel, um, but people buy it online. And so you do need to make the retail experience being tremendously differentiated and a tool like ours helps you create that consistency, give you that real-time visibility to what's going on in the organization and to engage and retain those best people as well. Doug, we've discussed some pretty wide range of topics. What do you want our viewers and listeners to have as takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's specific to our tool. I think in general, technology is a solution. There's a lot of discussion right now about AI. There's a lot of discussion about software. There's a lot of discussion about, you know, kind of simplifying your environment. And so whether you're a manufacturer or you're in hospitality or in re retail, technology is a way to ultimately make things easier. And finding the right tool is hard. Don't assume that the most prevalent tools that are out there that have the biggest names are the best ones, because more often than not, they're more often than not, they are not the best tools. They're uh, built, they're not particularly deep. They're very wide, mm. but they're not particularly deep. And so just um, get out there for your industry. Find the technology that's going to make your team's lives easier. And in retail, that's a product like ours. Doug, if folks want to reach out to you to connect or learn more, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can find our website at thinktime.com. Um, you can certainly reach out to, to me personally. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, we can certainly provide those links and we can talk more about the specific use cases. Um, that you might have the problems that you're trying to solve in your business and how a tool like ours can can certainly help. But uh, the website's a great place to start and that's Think Time. Think Time, I have to ask, where did that name come from? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. It was just, um, there's a plethora of names that you go through, right, in the yeah. beginning. And that just happened to be one of the ones that the team just rallied around. And it's like, you know, time's important in retail. Productivity and efficiency is critical. So the time element of that and then think, um, you know, just the idea of getting your your business, knowing what's going on, getting that real-time feedback, having analysis tools and uh, those kinds. It just kind of made sense, right? You know, I, I may not have interpreted that name correctly, but what immediately crossed my mind is in this fast-paced environment, it's react, react, react. If you've got the right tools, you can take a pause and make better decisions. <laughs> it might afford you more time to, to think 
and and act and be that much better. Uh, at least that's my spin I'm, on your company yeah. name. For pers- permission to steal that, it's really good. Permission granted. Doug, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, this was great. It was I, I watched the podcast often, so um, it was uh, fantastic to be a guest and really appreciate your time and what you do for uh, folks out there. Doug, I also want to thank our listeners. I got a question for our listeners. Are people following you because they have to or because they want to? You know, as a leadership coach, I work with executives who have a track record of success behind them, but they're feeling stuck. They're frustrated because they're finding with each level of success that follows, the bar is set even higher. They're discouraged because what worked in the past is no longer working. My clients, despite all their successes in the past, are lacking the clarity and the competence to make the decisions needed to get to that next level. Through coaching, we're going to work together to unravel those hidden blind spots, challenge limiting beliefs, and establish a strong sense of accountability. So if you're listening and you're feeling stuck, and that describes you or someone you know, let's talk. Head over to bench-builders.com to schedule a call. So I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you have picked up on some quick wins from Doug that would help you get unstuck and on target.